I'm Matt Swain, and you're listening to the Reimagining Communications Podcast, where we will discuss the opportunities and challenges facing companies on the road to optimizing their communications for the future. Today, I'm joined by Jeff Musgrove, Senior Vice President at Broadridge, who has previously been Head of Product Strategy and Execution for DST Customer Communications, which is now part of Broadridge Customer Communications, President of Phoenix Professional Services, and who has also served as the president of the board for the House of Ruth of Maryland, a nonprofit organization leading the fight to end violence against women and their children. Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Good to be here, Matt. Thanks for having me. Certainly. So, Jeff, the, the title and the theme of this podcast series is Reimagining Communications. It's a topic that's of critical importance in today's world of communications to customers, investors, members, patients, account holders, and whatever other relationships you're managing. So with that theme in mind, let's start with an event that I tracked closely from the outside when I was leading the Global Customer Communications Advisory Service at Infotrends, uh, which is now a division of Keypoint Intelligence. So in mid-June of 2016, Broadridge announced that it had entered into a definitive agreement to acquire the North American customer communications business of DST Systems. That was a huge acquisition for Broadridge, and a major M&A story in the industry. So my question to you is, you were, you were really close to that deal from the DST <laughs> side. Uh, give us some perspective about what that courtship was like. Is there a reimagining communications angle to that story? Yeah, I uh, I remember it well, Matt. Thanks. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was a interesting eighteen month period uh, and a really major uh, decision, both I think for the industry and and within DST. So, uh, you know, when I think back on that period of time, when the decision was made to sell the business, from the DST perspective, there was a very set very strongly believed in set of criteria of what the partnership should look like. And and really the driver, as you can imagine, the driver in this transaction in terms of what we would do with the business was to try to make sure that whatever decision was made was made in the best interest of the clients, the associates, and the shareholders. So that really drove a lot of our process. And what was interesting is when we went out to the market there was a tremendous amount of people interested in this business, which, you know, told us that, you know, it was still a strong communications business. And, and that really led us to a focus on finding the right partner. And for us, a big part of it was finding a partner that could help us carry on and achieve new levels of innovation around what we were doing. You know, we talk about this all the time, but from from the Broadridge perspective, uh, our goal has always been to be a technology company in the customer communication right. space, right? So that that goes past, you know, print or digital, right? And becomes about a platform that drives communications based on the customer preference. So with all of that in mind, that's really where it, it, it does come back to the reimagining communications because I think one of the things that is probably underestimated is the value of these transactional communications. Um, I think many times they're viewed as a necessary evil 
Yeah. Um, the irony is um, when you dig in, and, and I'm obviously talking to somebody who knows this, but when, when you dig in, you realize that these communications are actually the most read communications by the client, right? So this actually becomes conceivably the best touch point that exists between the brand and their consumer. So for us, it's about trying to put together a platform that allows our clients to take advantage of that and really reimagine those those transactional communications and think of them in a different way in terms of the way they design them and what they're delivering. And then for the consumer angle of it, right, they're reimagining it because it's, it's a reimagined experience for them when they receive it. And now they're looking at this communication as something way more than just, I owe my cable bill. Right. Now, right. if that bill is reimagined to the point where it's telling me something about my service or, or helping me figure out how to save money or do something different, right, then... I have a different opinion of that communication. I have a different opinion of, of, of my experience. That can lead to a different op- opinion of the brand. And, and, you know, so from the brand standpoint, how do I take a, a, a communication, make it more engaging, make it more relevant? And on the back end of that, I've driven up customer engagement as well as loyalty. It's a great story. Yeah. So, listen, I'm going to – I know this is uh, – Matt, I know this is your podcast, but I'm going to – I'm going to hijack this and I'm going to start asking you a couple questions. So, you know, from your perspective, I would be interested on this, right? So as you mentioned, I'm, I'm in there, I'm in the middle of this deal, but you really in your role as the, the head of the global customer communications advisory service at Infotrends, you had a, a different view, right? You had the 30 foot view. You were looking at it as, as a person who's monitoring this industry and kind of understanding a lot of the dynamics, you know, a, a, amongst this industry. So, um, what was your view when the news broke and, and what was your view on what this would mean for the industry? Yeah, I remember the time uh, very well when the announcement came out because, like you said, I was living and breathing, tracking the key players across the market, especially in the transactional communication space. And I think that what made it interesting, we as analysts knew that DST was shopping the business. That had come out through the grapevine that, that it was being shopped. I did not make the connection that that it was Broadridge until seeing that news. So um, I, I think in terms of various merger and acquisition stories for, for the year, it was it was a massive one. If you look at, as you said, the, the capabilities that Broadridge brought to the table in connection with the DST customer communications business, the North America North American customer communications business, you had, what is it, access to 80% of American or, or North American households? That's right. So, I mean, essentially four out of five mailboxes in America are getting a, dist- are getting a communication um, distributed by Broadridge. Yeah. And it, so so that, that storyline becomes really interesting, especially as an analyst, while I was tracking closely some of the, the network effect kind of storyline. Um, and you know whether it was the the evolution or emergence of digital mailbox services and, and the things happening at the time, this became a much bigger story than we wanted to print more communications. It really became if we can control more communications and have access to more communications, we have the critical mass 
that is going to help facilitate what we think the future of communications will be. So from the outside looking in, it was a really exciting story. So I'm just going to I'm going to keep going, keep asking questions. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, this is the fact that you and I are here talking about this right now. I mean, it's it's incredibly timely given kind of the environment in right now and, and, and how, you know, brands are starting to, to rethink their communications. And, you know, the, on the back end of it, I feel like the consumer needs are and maybe the right word is demands, right? I mean, I think we're moving into maybe consumer demands yeah. are increasing, right? What they expect out of the the provider and the communications and the way they're interacted with. I mean, with the rest of the world and the the growth of social media and all the different pieces that we have, it's 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 a much more on world. So there's an overall expectation that it's going to be more real time, more meaningful. So you know, as a as a customer of InfoTrends, one of the 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 things that we loved was the way InfoTrends would compare the consumer research to what you were hearing from the businesses, right? Yeah. So those are the, the marrying the two. So, you know, given all of your experience around that, do you think that c- customer, consumer, and provider expectations are converging to a common ideal for the future of communications? I mean, is that possible? I think we're getting closer. So there are a couple of data points that I used to love referencing. Uh, one was the the business expectation for paperless conversion. So we would ask businesses what their what what's your current paperless adoption or in terms of delivery, and they would say twenty percent. And then we'd say, what do you expect that to be in a year? And they'd say thirty five percent. We go back a year later and ask the same question. What is it today? Twenty-two percent. What do you expect yeah. it to be in a year? Thirty-eight yeah. percent. And and you went over time, and just saw that businesses were making that transition from they were they were moving customers from paper-based to paperless, but not nearly at the rate that they anticipated they would. And and maybe it was misguided expectations for conversion. But then when you brought the consumer angle in. You know, there there was always this expectation that no millennial wants print. Hmm. And we'd go back in the data and we would cut it and we'd show, you know, yeah, millennials are less likely to want the printed communication, but it doesn't mean they don't want it at all. Right. And the reasons that they, they wanted it were for the hard copy archive, right. um, for the reminder to pay. And, and I think that those deep-seated uh, approaches to how they communicated with their providers really stuck. Right. And the interesting thing was you'd see this conversion with millennials that would, that would be more likely to be paper ba- paperless and not want paper. And then once their wealth starts increasing and the stakes are higher, then they say, well, you know, actually, I do want a hard copy record of that or I want certain things in, in, in print and mail. And I think then that came back to, all right, Mr. Provider uh, business, right? If if this many of your customers are still paper-based, why is all of your effort on driving them to paperless and digital conversion when you have some that just want better communications in print? Now, not all of them, but why why put all of your time to converting them to digital? Because you have uh, consumers that are just saying like, Make that improve my my experience. Make the content easier to understand. 
personalize the content for me. Yeah. And, and if you had a business focus on just how do we move people from print to digital, which still persists today. I mean, even in a strong economy, all the focus is how do I get more customers sure. digital only? Sure. I think that the challenge in that storyline is it's not just about how do I convince them to turn off paper. It's it's it becomes more about how do I provide a superior experience in a digital environment. Yeah. And really, you know, how does print become the leader in the move to digital, right? So that's what I'm fascinated about is how do we, you know, to your point, you know, how do we how do we understand that paper is not going away as fast as we think, right? So how do we understand that? But then how do we leverage the paper as a way to engage the client and 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 get them to the point where they see some benefits there, they understand what could be provided on the digital and, and, and what could paper do to make that journey possible. Well, right. right. So so the print, the print can help guide that that transition. And sometimes it was the shift to a summary statement and provide depth and interactivity in a digital environment that then allows for the consumer to see extra value digitally, but have that summary to put in their archive. So finding compromises yeah. in that process as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and 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 talk about you know you were talking about the fact that the you know the the digital adoption just hasn't happened as quickly as possible and I did I do remember seeing some research where uh, I think millennials are are notorious double dippers right so they they do want to engage digitally uh, but to your point they also kind of want the paper backup so again you know that that is a very common thing I mean double dippers is almost a, a separate topic in itself but it you know it does drive to the to the the, the mentality of some of the, the people that I'm comfortable at a certain level digitally, not necessarily, you know, so comfortable that I'm ready to give up the paper. But I want to kind of go in a different direction in your experience, because I think one of the other things when I look at what's going on that may or may not play into the digital adoption is, is this whole world we live in where there's information hacks, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, from your perspective, how much have you seen, you know, people say that is a factor for me, you know, and whether or not I'm going to go digital because I, I, you know, instead of, you know, I'd rather have the paper in my mailbox and go pick it in my mailbox because I know I picked it up from my mailbox. You know, you tell me to go digital, but now how much risk do I have because I've allowed all my information to sit there digitally? Yeah, we we often fielded questions on that theme and it, it was really interesting because we would sometimes have consumers say, I went digital because I was worried about my neighbor taking Correct. my hard copy mail. Sure. And uh, and then you, on the flip side, you had people say, I didn't go digital because I was worried about whatever latest information debacle was in the news, right? Yep. Um, and I think more often what happens is you have you have some consumers set in each camp. And you have you have some that are the double dippers that mm-hmm. uh, that you know businesses really have often have trouble with, and and frankly they shouldn't necessarily have trouble with the consumer desire to have to have both. But oftentimes we find that the consumer desire for convenience often trumps the security concerns that they yeah. have about that information management. Yeah. Uh, and that is definitely skewed 
you can see notably it's a more of a millennial demographic right. first right and then that that shifts at depending on the age of the population but that's kind of the the future of communications is relative to convenience yeah how do, how do i make the communication valuable yeah in my need to communicate with my provider yeah but also how do i do it in a way that's convenient that it doesn't disrupt right. my lifestyle right and that really plays right back into the reimagining communications, right? Absolutely. Because it really comes back to the ability to change these communications to be more than just, you know, a moment in time report to a, to a consumer. Uh, one of the things I want to get at now is is some of the, I guess, the trends we're starting to see, right? We, we've talked about the, the digital adoption and the desire uh, strong desire to, to drive digital adoption. And, and I think you've had an experience, and I actually want you to tell, talk about this. You, you've had an experience where y- you've seen an email that really is taking a negative consent approach, right? And that's not something right. that necessarily a lot, of, uh, a lot of brands have been willing to go to. So I'd be curious to hear, you know, your kind of thoughts on that, that uh, you know, the, the move to a potential negative consent and, and what you saw, what, what the experience was, and what you think the the potential impact of that will be going forward. Yeah. So for context, I decided to track my transition from Time Warner Cable to an AT&T triple play. So I had cable, internet, and phone built into that. And uh, I wanted to track every point of communication along that customer journey from my initial um, awareness of the my street being torn up and the fiber being laid um, through the the whole onboarding process and, and going forward. And it was a really fascinating experience, frankly. And, and, and AT&T did a nice job with using emerging technologies and approaches. So they had some chatbot functionality. They had some augmented reality on the envelopes. That was actually to take advantage of a postal discount. So they got the 2% upfront postage discount by adding augmented reality to the to the envelope. Um, they had a personalized video that walked me through my bill. But what was really fascinating in that experience was to look at um, the evolution of the marketing communications relative to trying to drive me to, to paperless. So when I first signed up, you know, that's that's when they have you. You have to check here, sign here, which package do you want? I'm one-on-one with this guy who came to my door, and the interesting thing was there was no checkbox for Go Paperless. There, there, there was no wow. There was no communication preference built into that initial sign-on. I had to give an email address, and they used that to send me digital communications and you know um, about the installation coming up and that kind of thing. But a missed opportunity, definitely. So then. One of the first email communications was save time, go paperless. They sent me a total of almost 60 communications that had some kind of ride-along message or explicitly asked me to go paperless uh, over the last 20 months. And uh, about 25 of those communications were print-based. Uh, so it might, it might be ride-along in my statement, you know, go paperless messaging. Um, there were three emails that explicitly said, please go paperless with us, essentially said. One was as easy as saying, just respond to this email with Y-E-S. 
Just write back yes and you're opted in. So they were trying to make it really easy for me. Well, recently, the email that I received said, congratulations, essentially, you're, you're going paperless. <laughs> and it was instead saying, uh, if you want to receive, continue to receive paper, you need to opt back into it by September 21st or whatever the date was. Uh, and so it was really interesting to see that negative consent approach because for, for some customers, it's simply inertia. You know, I didn't go paperless with my provider because I haven't gotten around to it. And while that's really important to you as a provider when you have millions of customers and you want to you want to turn off as much paper as you can to reduce production and postage costs, for the consumer, what's in it for me? Save a tree or plant a tree. They usually, you know, plant a tree... Right have a chance to win some kind of sweepstakes, get $5 off of your next purchase. But this was this was a new approach. Um, and, and I have seen it in other industries. So it's not an unprecedented strategy. Uh, but I do think that that is going to be a game changer in their desire to notably increase their paperless adoption. And, and my guess is we'll see others follow suit. I mean, even even the the regulations around thirty three yeah. align with that negative consent storyline, right. right? And the moves and the move there, yeah. And I listen. I think it will be. Um, I think, as you're alluding to, I think some industries are going to be easier than others. Um, I think some clients are going to be more receptive to others. So, uh, I, I think you know, depending on how that starts to play out, you know, that's where you tie that back to. You know what? What does that alone do to helping to drive digital adoption? Right, because at that point you've you've attempted to make the decision for the consumer, and you're asking this consumer to to step back out of it. Yeah, and I think you have to be really careful about making that decision for the consumer, because ultimately, what's what's more important: a little postage savings or customer retention right. or your customer satisfaction scores or, you know, overall experience. Yep. Uh, and, and I do worry at times that the decisions are so siloed by department within an organization yep. where I remember specifically for one, um, one mobile phone provider that, that said, we had an operations department driving people to go paperless. So they were hitting their paperless delivery goals but I was on the payment side, this person was saying. And what happens is when you drive somebody to go paperless, they're more likely to use a credit card to pay where historically they might have used a check or you know, an ACH yeah. payment, lower cost payment channels. So while you've reduced your production print and mail costs, you've increased your processing costs on the payment. And so it's really important exactly. to be thinking holistically about that uh, the customer engagement, the customer experience, the the delivery, the payment, the call center volume. Yep. I mean, call center, frankly, is that's where you're going to save your money. If you can reduce call center volume, that's going to go a lot further than getting rid of a little bit of print. No, it's not. And and you know, uh, as a consumer, um, you know, when I have to call a call center. I'm already not in the best mood, right? So from a you know from a customer loyalty and a customer satisfaction standpoint, the fact that I could get a communication that doesn't force me to call the call center, right? I'm gonna feel good about that uh, right away. Yeah, and and I'm sure the people in the call center are gonna feel better about 
not getting a call from me. And actually, you know, I mentioned the personalized video. That That's one way that you're using technology. You're reimagining the way that you communicate. You're using the technology to take me to a personalized video that walks me through, this is a one-time charge, this is recurring. All of the reasons that I would have picked up the phone to call the call center, you're addressing within that video. Right. So so if you t- if you look at your strategy differently and how you're communicating with your with your customers, thinking again across all of your goals as an organization, that's really where you want to be. You're achieving operational uh, goals, but then you're also improving customer experience in that process. Absolutely. So listen, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna unhijack your show. I'll turn it <laughs> back over to you at this. No, point. I appreciate that, and, and this has been a, a really good conversation. I, I I do wonder though, from from your perspective. What do you think will be the most critical factors for providers in the communication space to meet customer demands going forward? Listen, if I could put my Broadridge hat back on here right at the end, uh, I, I think it really comes down to the evolution. You know, as the consumer evolves, as our brands and our clients evolve, it's forcing the service providers to evolve. So from a Broadridge perspective, when I look at it, I I look at it as, you know, how do we evolve from being just a service provider and a a provider of product and solution? How do we change that to become a partner to our clients, right? So how do we put together value-added services that go along with those products? So now what we're saying to our customers and the brands is we have the platform, we have the solutions that can help you reimagine your communications. But what if we harnessed all of our subject matter expertise and and understanding of the industries? And what if we package that together and put those into services where we're partnering with you that says not only can we give you the platform, but we can help you maximize the benefits of the platform, optimize your operation around communications and, and really be vested, right, together that the success is going to come from a combined effort of what we can provide in terms of the actual solutions as well as the consultative type services to go on top of it that really allow our clients to take advantage of the best of both worlds. Providing solutions is one thing. Helping customers move from point A to B in that process of reimagining communications yep. really makes the difference in, in success. We, we would often see, by the way, that we would, have, we would work with various enterprises that just had technology sitting on the shelf all, all around. And, and, you know, software technology, right? So it's... Um, so imagine, you know, all of these different composition tools sitting on the shelf because it was a shiny object we bought. We didn't really understand how to use it or how to incorporate it into our business. And therefore, we, we didn't incorporate it into our communications process. 100%. And, and I think that, you know, what's lacking there is helping take it from product through to execution 
having started with more of a strategic right. thinking around what brought you to that product. And, and listen, you know, the more we can partner with our clients, the more successful the the client is and and the better we get right so uh, to me it, it it is truly you know the proverbial one plus one equals three absolutely well jeff thank you very much for joining me today i appreciate you uh, letting me take over for a little while this was fun excellent i'm matt swain and you've been listening to the reimagining communications podcast to learn more about broadridge our insights and our innovations visit broadridge.com or find us on twitter and linkedin